All right. Oh, it, neurodivergent moments. Yeah, welcome. And just to continue our non-recorded uh, conversation, I also saw in our email we have some more Patreon members. Yes. So thank you for those of you who've signed up for the Patreon. We really appreciate it. It's very helpful. Helps us pay for studios when we're using studios. So thank you so much. But that being said, this next one coming uh, is uh, Melon Idomvoye. And she is based in Cardiff, Wales. So we did do this one via Zoom. But, I mean, you're listening to a recording. So do you really – can you tell? I'm curious. Can our <laughs> – you go listen to the Robert White one, first one in studio. Listen to Melons. And then tell me if you can tell when we're on Zoom and when we're on in a studio. I'm just curious. <laughs> we're not selling the Patreon well. We need to, we need to make it – we're telling them there's no difference between the two. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Well, hey, <laughs> if you're on the Patreon, you get bonus uh, content from yeah. the recordings. That's that's what you get. That's <laughs> that. That's all you get. That's it. I'm doing horrible. I'm doing. Listen, this cut is our most because usually it's like a little bit of awkwardness at the beginning, but this has been like quite sustained awkwardness. I feel like we're getting better at uh, yeah leaning more and more into our brand. <laughs> I'm very tired. I got in very late last night, so yeah. I'm, uh, uh, I've, I've, this is if, if, we're recording this at half past two in the afternoon. I shouldn't be this tired at this time of day, but I've just woken up. Yeah, how are you feeling? I mean, you're tired, but how's how's Joe's life in general? How are things going right now? I'm going well. I'm having a lovely time. It's funny you should mention that because I am going on tour next year. Was that a prompt for me to say that? I thought we might get there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've got well. I've got two tour dates. Uh, will they? Yes. So if you're listening to the day it comes out, then I am in Leicester this Sunday and Banbury the following week. And then but the bulk of the tour is going to be 2023. So I'm going to Glasgow, Edinburgh, Brighton, London, Knaresborough, Newcastle, uh, Salford, um, Norwich. And there's probably going to be another couple of places out as well. I'm doing McCunliffe, but um, we don't have the date for that yet. And uh, I'll do something in Portsmouth as well. Possibly Bournemouth is another one we're talking to. Um, so, yeah, there'll be more dates, but those are available from www.livenation.co.uk. And then you search for Joe Wells. Yeah. Or check out Joe Wells' social media um, or the at Indian podcast social media where we are regularly retweeting uh and sharing his dates if you can't remember the link it's always clickable from I social media bar- yeah Where, wherever you follow me i will find yeah. you and i will send you the poster <laughs> how, how are you thank you for asking um <laughs> uh, i'll be honest uh i don't know so i just as joe and i were talking i just did a cruise for the first time i came back i don't know if it's the time change but I feel like I have just been hit with, I don't know if it's seasonal depression. I don't feel sad, but my executive dysfunction is like off the charts. Like I've had, I'm just, I'm just throwing out some ADHD life at you right now. I've had so much trouble like focusing and getting work done this past week. I did see a little TikTok that there's a hack that if you put your shoes on, you're more likely to get work done. I saw it yesterday after I'd been in my bathrobe until 5.30 in the afternoon. So today I put on shoes at 1 p.m. and I did the laundry. <laughs> That's a good hack. I haven't thought about that, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Because you feel like you're 
you're sort of in in work mode yeah and when you think about it because like I, I know a lot more people are working at home now but especially as a comedian like we're at home all day and it's just so easy to stay in your pajamas the whole day so I actually got up I put on jeans I put on a pair of shoes I'm feeling good so <laughs> I'll check back yes, in I think it's harder for comedians because you work in the evening so it's not like you have a working day you know as well so sort of your hours are all over the place and mm-hmm. so that discipline is very hard so well done you for putting on shoes yeah i will update you and let you know if this uh, hack helps me through the week we will see so we talked about non-diagnosis this week we did we did so we had uh melon on fabulous uh woman uh she runs a print shop where she sells t-shirts and stickers all of that stuff. She's an amazing creative person. I met doing the Guilty Feminist podcast. And um, she's someone who has sought out a diagnosis for ADHD, but hasn't been able to get one. And um, we just thought it'd be a really fascinating conversation to have for those of you who might think you are neurodivergent, but are having trouble connecting and, and getting the assistant. I don't know. I just thought it was I thought this was a good one. Oh yeah, I think it's I think it's such a fascinating topic and I think it's such an important discussion. Yeah, all right. Well should we dive in? Should we should we let's, let's go. go into let's do it. Here's Melon everyone. So Melon, welcome to Neurodivergent Moments. Thank you Hello. so much for coming. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, Melon and I met in Cardiff doing the Guilty Feminist podcast, and she gave me one of her very cool t shirts. Gotta show this off. My tits This means nothing to an audio podcast. (laughs) And this is this this just right here, this is for this is for the uh, socials. Just me just me (laughs) tugging at this. Uh yeah. For the listeners, Abigail has, I, I, I mean, I'm not quite sure how to describe it. There's a t-shirt. There are crowns um, on where the nipple. I, I don't know what yeah. No, I want you to explain this, Joe. <laughs> Keep going. So there are two crowns uh, suggested to be placed on the t-shirt. Beautiful. I love it. Um, so, uh, you know, Joe and I were just talking before you popped on. You have such an interesting life story. So why don't we, can we start at the beginning? Can you give us like a brief synopsis? Because you, you're from Turkey, you're Nigerian, yeah. you're from Turkey, you now live in Wales. Yes. <laughs> how did that happen? How did, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Turkey. I am mixed. So I'm half Turkish, half Nigerian. Um, growing up in Turkey was a bit weird because I was the only sort of black person in anywhere in school um my friend circles so I was like sort of the odd one out anyway most of the time um I was never really good at studying but I managed it with tricks that is called cheating (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I've hardly studied so I don't know how how I managed it but I managed um you know with my trick to get by through the whole school um and then at one point my dad decided I should uh study in the UK so I was sort of sent to the UK um study here 
stayed and tried to get a job. Couldn't really do that. I failed. I was really not. Um, again, I, I struggled throughout university, being in a different from a, a different culture in the UK, trying to learn graphic design and not really, uh, not really have have had that before in my in my um, studies in Turkey, not knowing the culture. So after like a few years of struggling, I was like, oh, let me just pack up and see, you know, Turkey. I had a job offer there um, through a friend. So started that. And then um, as I was trying to put a life plan together, some crazy protests happened in Turkey. And I was part of, really oddly, I was only part of a theatre team who put a kind of a controversial play on about a country and so when there was a um, protest about the country's government, um, they're called the Gezi protests, the government sort of put all their attention to me and the team behind the play um, because some of the team in the, you know, the director, it was a famous person and we all ended up in the protest in the very, very early days when no one was really, you know, about, you know, knew about it. We were there because it was about saving the trees. Um, it was just about saving this little park in the middle of big city, Istanbul. So they basically interpreted, inter, what's the right word? Interpreted the word. Um, interpreted? They, interpreted, yes, thank you. Interpreted our um, tweets about, you know, the environment and saving the trees and stuff into making us, fooling the people, trying to start a kudeta or train young people minds on how to use social media because um, I was a social media manager also at the time for like some big um, like world-known brands. So yeah, when all that came together with my non-Turkish name, my UK connections, they've all decided that I'm like a spy like a british spy or something that's trying to um yeah so we then thought f this can i swear uh, absolutely yes, yeah. <laughs> so we we're like oh fuck this like we can't carry on being here under this ridiculous so it's probably time to leave because you know i had uk education i was always thinking about coming back um so we just came back and started over in the UK, in Cardiff, Wales, instead of, you know, London, which was really overwhelming and depressing for me at the time <laughs> when I lived there. And then how long ago did you come back and move to Wales? So so you left... In nine years now, unbelievably. Nine years. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. And then once you got into... Wales, you settled down and then did you start your t-shirt business right away or no i just um i kept doing design um graphic design and i moved on to ux design yeah so i just started working i managed to stick at one place and like build my career into management and directorship and i'm still doing that just i'm in a different company and amazingly, every day I say to myself, wow, you've done it one more day. You're actually a director and somehow you're getting away with it. So I say 
every day. <laughs> like, congratulations! <laughs> yeah, you're doing it, girl. Yeah, I I don't know how I'm doing it. That's right. Because the- what we wanted to talk about, uh, what one of the reasons why we we thought you'd be so interesting on the podcast is because you tried to search out help in an ADHD diagnosis, and that did not go as planned. Yeah. So before the pandemic, I I guess this was because I've gone through a really terrible breakup. So maybe because of the intense stress in time, I just found myself really not being able to con- like I'm really not big, big in concentration anyway. Um, but I just realized it was getting worse and worse. And I was getting more like Milan, stop touching your phone or, you know, you know, meetings. I wasn't being very presentable. Um, and my moods were even lower and higher. Like my mood swings were more than usual. And I just, I just thought to myself and I'm exhausted. Like I can't stop doing things, but I also don't want to do that. So it was just like a very chaotic, um, in my mind anyway, very, very chaotic. So I reached out to my GP and she said, she's happy to refer, refer me to, ADHD specialists or whatever that section so what I say is not going to sound really legit because I forget words and I forget um, terms quite a lot so I feel like whenever I tell my story it probably just doesn't sound like it may not make sense if you know what I mean because I'm like ADHD specialists like I don't remember what exactly you you know you were trying to ask me and I was like I think so because I I literally don't remember things like that is one of the major issues in my life is that I um I don't remember my childhood I don't remember my now I don't remember my young adulthood anymore so the more happens it's just getting worse basically I just don't have a memory and sometimes obviously in person relationships that causes stress especially with my partner because I'm just I'm just like, did I, did you? Like, I don't remember. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is like, things might not sound so legit, but. Hey, hopefully... hey, we, we, this is a safe space. <laughs> we believe you. If we need clarity, we will ask for it. But we, we believe your story. That's why we've asked you to tell it. And, uh, and, and there will be no like deep dive afterwards to try okay. to like, don't worry. You're okay. safe space, girl. <laughs> safe space. Okay, thank you. I so, also don't know all the words, and I have a diagnosis. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I just went to a place, and I had a Zoom chat. And- yeah, exactly. So then then um, they finally called me, but it was beginning of the pandemic. So they were like, are you happy to do it over the, over the phone? And they sent me a link for me to complete the test and all my details before. Then they called me, and they were like, okay, so obviously you because I remember my test being um like you need to see like you've got the symptoms or you need to see a doctor for diagnosis or something so I was like oh okay so they called me and then they've asked me what was happening like and you know so when I told them about you know coming back from Turkey my difficult divorce process And then it was just around the time when I had like a really huge issue coming out about people that I trusted. um, And I realized they were sort of the wrong crowd for me to be around. And 
I was taken advantage of in the worst ways possible that I didn't realize. So when I was like talking about all of this, they were like, okay, so your symptoms could be could be PTSD or ADHD. And obviously stress will trigger all of these more. And they've asked me about my daily life and my, how I manage my job. Like, how do I actually manage managing other people when um, some some of us who's diagnosed with ADHD struggle to manage their own tasks throughout the day? So I told them, like, you know, I have 10 million rem- reminders. I take notes of my calendar. I'm constantly looking at my calendar. That's like a habit that I managed to have. And, you know, even on Slack, I will have reminders and things like that. And obviously I have people working for me, so they help as well. And then they were like, well, this is basically like we can't really give you anything more than what you've managed to figure yourself out. So even if we go ahead and like diagnose you with ADHD, you're already like really high functioning right now. And I'm on a I was on a low. I think I was 24. 20 grams of Celopram at the time. So when I said that to them, they were also like... Which, just okay. to pause for the listeners, is an antidepressant, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that was basically me when I thought I was going to lose my mind. It was like a cry for help when I was just so overwhelmed. Um, and I just told the GP, I used to have antidepressants. Can you give me them? And they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> luckily um and so when I told them they were like well that means you may need to just use it for the rest of your life it's such a small dose but is it really helping you with you getting overwhelmed and I was like it really does because otherwise I won't be able to handle my daily tasks because they all become a bit too much and he she was like okay well basically like you basically you sort of figured it out and it'll be really difficult for us to separate PTSD from ADHD. Um, so they sort of like left it as it is. And I was obviously trying to tell my story. I was in pieces. Um, you know, I was like really desperate, really difficult, but they just had to like calm me down and be like, it's okay, like you're doing great. So I think this is all that can be done. And they didn't really push for a diagnosis. They didn't see the need for it. So I felt a little bit. I'm very frustrated on your behalf right now. (laughs) I'm just very. Okay. Keep going. And even that little bit of a thing was a bit of a validation for me to be Uh like, okay, I have potential PTSD, potential ADHD. I've got these tools like, and it's okay. So I just started, you know, reading up and trying to learn more about what it is and like started following Instagram accounts and stuff. And the more I saw things, I was like, okay, like now I understand what this is. Like now I understand what that is. Now I know why this happens to me um, because certain things will happen. And it just, it just looked like I was being a diva or like I was just being moody for no reason that in my relationships, you know, and now I started understanding just because I've been reading up myself, like what, how certain things can really knock you out of your day or, you know, how it can like really change your headspace and you're just a bit, you know, close to meltdown or how a spilling coffee can actually cause a meltdown mm. out of nowhere. 
well not out of nowhere but like how you're just like yeah i can do this do this 10 tasks that task that task that all of it i got this and then like you you drop something to the floor and it's like i don't got this um (laughs) so i thought these were like me having behavioral issues before Mm -hmm. so i just it helped me be less unkind to myself I started being able to be like okay this is what that is and it happens sometimes um yeah so even though I haven't got a full validation I sort of still treat myself because whenever I speak to anyone who's in the journey of being diagnosed or who's been diagnosed we just have so much things in common I'm just like you know, I don't, I guess I don't need to prove myself to anyone is where I'm at. I think that's really healthy. If you can, because we talked a little bit on the phone yesterday, what I find so interesting is the stuff that you shared with me about your, uh, coping mechanisms or the way you manage your life through work and stuff sound like ADHD, like coping mechanisms, like, like verbatim can you share what some of them are like what what you do to help help you manage in your job or in your life so routine really helps me Mm -hmm. um and knowing exactly what I'm going to do helps me but if something out of that happens that's when I really struggle like I don't know why but even now it makes me want to cry which is really really weird but I'm just like if somebody promise, promises me that they're going to do xyz like they're going to help with something or we're just going to meet and do something and then that's cancelled um, especially if I'm like already there then that's a really big reason for me to like have a big space out moment I mean like an hour or two I might lose hours from my day but if I am in control like basically my way of coping is controlling everything um you know that's not always the best thing but reminders are my big thing as soon as I remember something because I'm so chaotic in my mind now I have the you know the apple watch I will literally be like, remind me to do this because I will not remember it again. Like, you know, putting the bins out, I won't remember it. Or I need to be, I need to stay home for a delivery to, tomorrow, for example. I won't remember it. So I'll have to put that in my calendar and the, <laughs> the reminder. See, this is what I find so frustrating is before I got, Uh, my ADHD diagnosis and I was questioning whether I had it. I was talking to a friend who was diagnosed and she very similar to you had like 20 reminders on her phone, always setting alarms for herself. And her doctor was like that right there is a symptom. Like neurotypical people don't need to set 27 alarms in 87. So the fact that your doctor was like, well, since you do that, you don't need ADHD diagnosis or like maybe medication, maybe not medication. Obviously, we don't know what would have happened if you had gotten the diagnosis. But I find it so interesting that one doctor goes, that's a symptom. And another doctor goes, Oh no, you're fine then. 
Yeah. You know, the thing that really made me go, oh, that, that connects with so many ADHD people I've met was when you said, oh, I'm, I think I'm getting away with it. You know, and if that feels like that's the thing I've heard so many like high achieving ADHD people say is I think I'm getting away with it. You know, it's, um, uh, yeah, because, yeah. because I'm literally in this like big meetings, especially in my past job, you know, I have to constantly meet people and listen to what their work is so I can understand and help it. I don't listen. Like I, I'm just like, they are saying things and I'm meant to understand this. And I'm just like, Oh my God. And I think I've managed, like, I don't know if anyone else does this. And then they'll be like, so Mary, what do you think? And I'll be like, what's up, Mary? Quick, 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 what do you support what saying? And I'll be like, rewind, run back, five minutes, right? Words, words coming in. Um, and then I'll, like, make up some stuff because I can rewind back a couple of seconds and remember certain things and then sort of... Make... So this became a skill set that I grew because I can't listen for a long period of time especially if something is mundane and boring if the speaker isn't engaging um so now i have fidget things which i haven't got here they sort of help but then they're making noise and i'm just like oh my god everyone's everyone's gonna hear the noise and then my and then i'm starting to think about what people are gonna thought so everything is something basically and you said when you went to the doctor they were like well it might be adhd it might be ptsd did you were you able to get help or a diagnosis or or anything to service your PTSD? So I carried on with my therapy mm-hmm. um, and talked to her about it. But then I did actually have a breakdown um, just because of how overwhelming life got. I think and it just I just couldn't pretend to be on top of everything anymore. Um, and my breakdown, I, I was diagnosed with anxiety, depression, which I don't know if it's common with um, with ADHD. Then, then I've, um, like I said, I've gone through another like traumatic series of having to take people to court that I've thought I really trusted. So I think that tipped it off. And then during that time. I actually got support from a government service or just after, sorry, just after the whole police wahala. Um, And they were really, really helpful because she understood straight away that I had PTSD and I had all these triggers and she helped me understand my emotional or physical triggers because they're not just emotional. Um, And actually one of my coping mechanisms is if I it's very difficult but so your partner sort of needs to help you but if I am having a real full-on meltdown I have a jar of things that I can like pick up pick out and do to like come out of the come out of that mood um but obviously I don't remember I have the jar when I'm having a meltdown at all like Um, what what's in the jar is it like fidget toys or is it play-doh just ideas for me to like do to to get out of the or or not to get into like a really strong emotional turmoil so it's like little written instructions yeah like so like what would one of the instructions so one of them is like going for a walk um getting a hug like pressure like really like a long hug because sometimes physical things help sometimes it doesn't but sometimes it does um I can't remember the other ones. I've I've had to sit down and figure out some and then just like 
I should I should have a look at it. I don't remember the others. I'm really so the. I'm maybe like so. Correct me if I'm getting things wrong here, but but uh, them saying it may be PTSD, it may be ADHD, because uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but but to me it seems that PTSD is like a thing which is is sort of horrible that people have and people want to recover from it as much as possible. Whereas ADHD is a sort of different way of being and people need to sort of work out how to make that. Do you know what I mean? So it just seems strange to me that they're going, it could be this one thing or the other. Yes. The sort of response to them would be very different in my eyes, but I may be wrong. I don't know if you heard about this, but they say PTSD symptoms can occur as ADHD or autism um, traits. It can show up as traits. And that could actually, some people say there's like no way of telling whether you were born with it or whether it was um, a result of PTSD. So a few people told me this. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, did I grow these symptoms? But then, then I looked at my past, like when we were talking you know, my, you know, I've never been academic. I've never been able to listen or study. I either used to talk at my lessons or at school or write notes with friends to have fun or sleep. So I like, I never really studied because I could, like, I couldn't. I thought, I thought I was a badass, but I guess I just was just not, <laughs> just wasn't getting it that way. Um, and then I was doing art and design, so I never had to study. I never had to listen to anyone academic properly. So I got away with it. But when the when it kicked off and I needed to like focus and trying to find a job or like work on my own as a freelancer, that's when I that's when I when I realized that there's so I started thinking there was something wrong with me because everyone was achieving things or everyone could sit down and do work for two hours. It will take me four hours or I might just not be able to con- like I just won't be able to concentrate on it without having like a tv show next to it and then these people who I was trusting at the time they were diff- they were they were the wrong crowd for me they've used that sort of against me to keep telling me that you're not getting a job because you're not paying attention. You're not doing this because, you know, you're not taking it seriously. How can you do this when there is like a TV show there? So I just started thinking I need to like, I had this guilt of not having attention, forgetting things, losing things. It was always my fault. So these people, this structure, this cult structure, actually, you know, when they were like, oh, we are family, but they also were making me feel guilty and be responsible of everything in my life that was going right or like nothing was going right but going wrong so I think that was part of my training that I grew to um I know I jumped from an un you know subject to another subject now this is Um, what we do on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) but just to go back real quick like when you're talking about lessons and then when you left school having trouble like grasping like day-to-day life so I went to school for musical theater brag and (laughs) um I found university very engaging because everything I did in school was like first of all like 
it was incredibly regimented. Like you had to go to class because all your classes were performance based. So you had to go to class. You, um, so every day I got up at one time, I was done by class at another time. I would rehearse, I'd go to sleep, I'd do it all again. And all my classes were like, you're either singing a song, you're learning a dance. And if you're not in the scene, you're watching other people act, which, you know, in itself is very engaging. Mm -hmm. And then when I left school, I, same thing, had a complete breakdown because the no one was telling me I had to be somewhere at 8 a.m. And and like everything was just like really boring and it was hard to build my own. uh, What's the word? My own schedule. I I just I just had a type pipe up and say, I, I really, really resonate with that. You might be at peace that you don't have an ADHD diagnosis, but I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't want to talk you into something that you don't feel you need or want, but I don't know. It just, it's also, it just sounds so familiar and I'm not a doctor and Joe's not a doctor, but we, we both know a lot of neurodivergent people and everything you're saying is just so like, yep, 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 yep. In, in my way, I don't. Joe, what do you think? Shall we just smell in together right now? Well, I think this is why I like, <laughs> I think this is why I like the term neurodivergent because it, it takes it from this sort of medical place, which is gatekept to having mm. a term, which is about having an unusual brain. And, um, it feels to me like there is um, that that you know there are political aims of changing the world so that people like us are uh, fit in and get to achieve the things we want to do and and you know fit in better and happier blah 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 and I think that um, that's why I like that term neurodivergent because it's not a gatekept um, category and it means that when we're sort of building the you know the team who are going to fight for those those aims. It, there's no one's there's no sort of bouncers on the door and you know we can include people because there are people who don't fit neatly into into those boxes um yeah. so so, so <laughs> i think that that's why i like the term neurodivergent i think i've spoken loads of times on this podcast before about the person i met who was told they were two-thirds autistic you know and as as a sort of sense of who you are that must be really difficult to be told that because like, well, what does that mean and i'd like that you know that person would be neurodivergent even though they sort of only met so that's why i like i'm quite excited about the term neurodivergent yeah so you can definitely have that one yeah i mean i don't know if this is offensive but in my day-to-day with myself that's how i live like i accepted myself as a neurodivergent and i'm and it's helping me be kind to myself like I just don't think I'll be able to do it with all the guilt that's been put onto me for all the silly mistakes that I've done throughout my life um like I'm sure you've all done it like buying your train or plane ticket on the wrong day um that um so or like you know sending invite like zoom invites to wrong email addresses because they start with the same letters um yeah it's just yeah just things like that that I do day in day out but now I choose not to feel guilty Mm. about it anymore I used to 
beat myself over it. If I buy a wrong ticket, the depression of that used to take me a week to get over because I'll be embarrassed. I'll be ashamed to tell people that I made that mistake. I'll be like, oh, I don't even have the money. Like, how can I be this stupid? Like, why don't I just look at it? There's something like I'm just stupid. And, you know, just that guilt and the amount of time and energy that guilt takes out of you. Now I'm, you know, when you accept that your brain functions differently and that it's okay. So now obviously I try and triple check things, but sometimes I still don't (laughs) because it just, just happens. And then when it happens, I'm just like, okay, it's fine. Like this doesn't define me. I'm still a creative director. I know that this client is probably going to think less of me because I made three mistakes and one invite. I just did that last Friday. Um, Three mistakes. So they just probably got like three different (laughs) invites from me. But I'm just like, well, if they're going to judge me for this in this type of world today in 2022, and they're going to decide that I'm not a great creative person or like or a director because of this, then let it be like, I guess that's what happens with maturity and accepting yourself. That's such a good attitude to have. And I, yeah, I think I, I, for me, the formal diagnosis at the time was important. But then afterwards, I was like, oh, I felt like, and, it, and it's really, you know, I, 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 I've started to, you know, do things like be able to ask my wife about, you know, a social situation, which might be confusing and all mm. the things which would help me. I sort of like almost gatekept that from myself. I was like, well, I can't. It was only when I had the formal diagnosis I felt I could put in support for myself, which is like ridiculous and very yeah. um, unhelpful. So I think that you have definitely have the right attitude of going if things are going to help and and you know and 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 you know being like you're saying being kind to yourself. You don't need someone to sort of give you permission to do that. Um, yeah. I think it's a very good. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's. I wish I had that approach more. Really, um, I have to say it's not been easy because I said like I've been through a lot and those realization and the amounts of therapy and the the amounts of reading, like self healing readings, and um, being able to be an open person. I guess that's the only positive I can say about myself is that I am easily. I can, you know, I can I can easily talk about myself. Um, and I think all of those things really, really helped me. And then I guess age, like when you spend 15, 20 years of yourself, just beating yourself up. And um, and now I'm almost 40. I'm just like, I still, within all that chaos of my life, within all the terrible events and the way my brain works and how like chaotic I, you know, I think or do things, I still manage to get to somewhere so I'm just like, it's okay. And I've lost things so many times, so like over and over. And I had to restart life at least three times. So now I'm just like, well, the worst is I'm going to lose my job <laughs> like right now. The worst thing is I'm going to make an unforgivable mistake, I guess, and lose my job and restart again. <laughs> and now restarting, you're like, I've restarted. I've moved countries. I've, I've moved back and forward <laughs> yeah. and had to cut people out of my life, yeah. job, yeah, no big deal. It's, a, it's such a big, such a personal thing. So yeah, I'm trying to take it all down. I'm now going to have loads. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up with a load more questions. 
<laughs> yeah, there are moments of this podcast, by the way, where Joe and I just sit there and not say anything. And we're like, hold on, but I just got to But when you listen to it, it's really it. slick because my editing is good. <laughs> yeah, we take out our long pauses. We're just literally going, okay, okay, this is beautiful. Now what? <laughs> I might leave that one in for realism. Okay, okay. <laughs> Um, I, if we can back up just cause I have, uh, some questions and I feel like you used the term, you said that you, you were in a bad group of people and you kind of yeah. used the term cult there for a moment. Were mm. you in like a religious group or no. was it, can I ask what the situation was there? You can ask. Yeah, it was, um, so it was a time when I said like, I was out of uni trying to understand the world and like understand why is it or how is it I get a job? What is wrong with me? Um, I was depressed most of the time. I think looking back now, that was depression, but I didn't know what it was then. There was no uh, therapy. There were no talks of neurodiversity. This is beginning of 2000s. So we didn't have social media platforms where people freely talked about stuff and shared things a lot easier. Um, so I was lacking that sort of support and I lived away from my parents. So I was also alone because um, I was like obviously posted to UK and I didn't have um, much, many family here. Yeah, so it was around that time that I met these people through just like admiring them. And then they slowly took over my life. <laughs> um, but at, at the beginning, like everything, these structures, um, it was really helpful because, you know, I was able to identify certain things and it felt good to, you know, under, understand that certain things might be like from how I was treated by my dad or how I was treated by my mom. Um, but those are short term, obviously. You're just like, oh, okay. Um yeah, and then I realized after 15 years that this was um, a non-healthy relationship that we were under, the, me and my friend and some other people, we were under the influence of wrong people. And again, I think that came from that vulnerability of me not knowing who I am and what I was feeling and what I was struggling with. So yeah, it's, it's, it's if anyone is listening and they want, um any advice like i'm happy to refer them at least like either books podcasts or this specialist i'm not a specialist i don't have i can't give advice but i can send you to resources for you to be able to identify a situation um like if you're in in that or you feel like someone else you know is in there yeah we would uh just a side note and i'll i'll shoot you an email in a couple days when we're done with this but uh we would like that information just so we could share it on our own when, yeah, sure. when we put out this podcast we can be like by the way if you're in this situation you know we can help in that way get the word out um 100 yeah yeah and again it's like the first time i'm talking about it in a in a serious way so I don't know what that means for me. It means that Neurodivergent Moments podcast has the exclusive. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing this with us because this is like, it's an amazing yeah, story. It, it's an absolutely amazing story. And if, if I can make a hard right, uh, yeah. 
you've you've gone through uh, all of this trauma and you've 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 risen above such challenges and you also have an amazing t-shirt uh slash uh, stickers i have the stickers somewhere on my water bottle who knows where my water bottle is but uh yeah tell us about little titsy yeah well i think little titsy definitely is born a, a born out of that lack of self expression and actual f- femininity and joy that i don't feel like i've had for for years so it's been you know i've had this like idea of feminism pushed down on me and then i had to go out and figure it myself and that's why you know like being on guilty feminist was like oh my god like i didn't even have to pronounce feminism 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 like i'm just doing my own thing and helping women feel or men woman men day anyone who just wants to in that moment of time want to embrace femininity or feminine energy or joy i'm there for it so i just thought this was a great moment for being guilty feminist for me um because really that's what i want everyone to embrace femininity more change the language a little bit so instead of using words like ballsy I want people to start thinking titsy <laughs> because that's what I'm thinking now. Um, because I don't want like being bold and courageous to be always um, make people think of men's men's body parts, right? Um, or you know, sometimes I hear people. I used to hear people go, "Oh, she's got such BD energy," and I used to be like, "But she doesn't have a dick, like, so how does she have big dick energy?" So I was like, "Why is that not big tit energy?" So. I just started playing with words. I love this. I love letters, obviously. So I did letter pressing. And it was just, I used to always make gifts for, for my friends anyway, like as t-shirts, because I thought if someone is down, like a t-shirt, they can wear that and feel good. I don't know why, that's what I think. Um, and then through my divorce, I was like, do you know what? T-shirts are really versatile because I had to live from a, um, from a suitcase. And I had to like look smart, butt fun, like all of that at the same time. So I was like, I can do that with T-shirts, I realized. And also, I stopped limiting myself to look feminine in a particular way, because again, that was the cult thing. So when I allowed myself all of this, like I thought I really want to do this, just even if it's just for myself, like I need to just put a brand out there like a baby and see how it makes so sometimes it's really difficult because like I said before my breakdown I used to be able to handle so much more at the same time um so I used to be able to work every night after work so now I don't have as much energy um but all the ideas and everything is like constantly in my head so sometimes I'll just have like a really bad moment of I'm not giving enough to my baby and sometimes I'll be like, accept that this is all you can do um, because it's my baby project and I wish I could do more on it. But yeah, as this is where it is now. So little Titsy trying to give joy to people through T-shirts, prints and little accessories. We'll have the link in the show description as well, won't we, so people can check it out properly. Yeah. For sure. Well, I love them. I I was uh, telling Joe beforehand, uh, if I can just do a little ad myself, how (laughs) freaking soft your shirts are. Like, especially if you're someone who has uh, 
uh, sensitivities to textures and stuff like that. Like sometimes I'll see a cool t-shirt and I'll like it and you try it on and you're like, I'm going to have to wash this a couple times. Yeah, it's stiff. They feel yeah. like stiffy and stuff. And this, like, like when you brought these to us at the Guilty Feminist podcast, like I put it on right away and I was like, this feels amazing. And it's so rare to get a shirt that just came that from, good. yeah. yeah. That, it, that, they are um, 100% organic and certified um, cotton. So I really care about where I try and get them, obviously, because I don't want to fuck. I don't want to be part of the world planet fuckery as, you know, I want to have the littlest <laughs> impact as I can. Um, and, you know, it's not easy these days. As you know, there's lots of greenwashing. So this is the best I could do. And I'm so glad people actually give me that feedback because I personally really care about how great the material and like how great the cotton feels. Yeah. That's one of the things as well. So thank you for that. You're welcome. First of all, let's do a thank you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. That was amazing. It was so, yeah, I'm going to be thinking about it, but yeah. And uh, I feel like this is going to be one of the ones I listen back to a lot and sort of reflect on because, uh, okay. yeah, that was brilliant. Thank you. Do uh, do you have anything? So this will come out in a couple of weeks, but like where do people find you? What's your social media? Shout out your website, any events you have in uh, maybe mid to late November, anything like that you want to share? So Cardiff-based people should follow me on Lil Titsy, um, which is L-I-L Titsy, um, both on TikTok and Instagram. Um, so I'll be doing markets so you can actually meet me in person and um, get to touch the stuff before you buy them. So that's great. Or see them. Uh, Christmas markets are coming. And then I my personal um, chaotic account is melon underscore edo, which is edo. Um, you can find me there. Cool. We ask, I guess, for a neurodivergent moment. So a moment could be recently or whenever where you've realised that your brain was uh, different to uh, how most people's brains uh, work. Um, I mean, I recently had just, you know, literally, was it yesterday or the day before? Um, my old friend called. We've not caught up for ages. And we were talking about dogs and um she was like oh my god do you remember when we were looking after your friend's dog for like a week or two um when she had to go to japan and i was like what and she was like we looked after this dog and you don't remember like and she told me all these events that happened and i was like no and she was like how do people erase a whole memory and then she was like well what about this do you remember the party that we gave and then this happened and i was like no she was like great do you remember anything from that time and i was like (laughs) vaguely like the more you say the more I can sort of imagine it but I'm not sure if I'm imagining that the right specific thing (laughs) Um, (laughs) and that's my life story (laughs) that's amazing you forgot a pet dog (laughs) yep yeah (laughs) Melon thank you so much for being on the podcast and uh yeah uh check out you have to yeah, everyone check out Little Titsy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you both for having me and allow- and allowing me to like literally run wild <laughs> and non-stop speak. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime. time.
That was Melon. I just love her. But there were so many small things we talked about which could be whole episodes in themselves. It yeah. We could do a whole whole series. Yeah. But uh, I will say we did talk a little bit about uh, cults and stuff. And there is a link on the description if you need help getting out of a certain situation and some reading, which I have to get from Ellen. I will add that to the description. Yeah. If it's not in the description when you listen to this, I fucked up. <laughs> Send us a tweet. Send us a tweet or, <laughs> yes, or an Insta. Us. An Insta at, at Indian Podcast and uh, we will put it in. Uh, but I'll get that information from her, Joe. Uh, cool. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I also, while we were talking to her, I felt increasingly frustrated because everything she was explaining to me as uh, how she feels and how she lives in the world and why doctors said she wasn't ADHD are the exact reasons it felt like why I was diagnosed with ADHD. Mm. And um, I, she did if I may send me a little message uh, last week, uh, just sending out a little Ted talk about ADHD and girls and women and said uh, she really wants to try to get a diagnosis now. So hopefully that's something that she's able to do. Hopefully she's able to find a doctor who can talk to her about the complexities of her life. But um, yeah, I think she's fascinating. So I think like there's a real thing in the sort of health system where it's like, well, you can be one thing or the other. You know, if you've got PTSD, then you can't also have ADHD, you know, and the other way around. You know, I've met lots of autistic people when they try and seek help for their mental ill health. um, They're told, no, it's just autism. Yeah. Um, You know, it's like people could just have one thing and uh, people are complicated. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Shall we do some moments? Do you have a moment for this week? Yes. So here is my personal neurodivergent bit of a story. I accidentally electrocuted myself. And uh, then, by the way, one of who I assume is one of our uh, listeners messaged me and goes, actually, you didn't electrocute yourself. That includes, like, if you electrocute yourself, it's death. You actually shocked yourself. And I was like, thanks. So update, I shocked myself. But what happened was there was a um, there was a plug plugged in, but the safety plastic on it was off. So the the electrical board was showing and I didn't understand what it was. My boyfriend had just got back from filming something. So I thought it was one of his film things that I might have broken. And I felt like I'm like, oh, no, I I broke this thing. I ruined this thing. I got to fix it. I like I. I, I like Tom always says how clumsy I am. I got to I got to fix this right now. I got to make sure everything's okay. And I kind of panicked and I reached down and I touched it with my thumb and uh and it shocked me and I screamed and Tom comes upstairs like, "Did you stub your toe?" And I was like, "No, I electrocuted myself." And he's like, "Okay, did you feel it anywhere else in your body other than your thumb?" And I was like, "My toe, but I might have stubbed my toe." And uh he was like, "We got to go." you got to call the doctor or go to the emergency room because if you felt it in two parts of your body, that means it grounded and it went through your body. We have to make sure that your heart isn't in trouble. And I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It won't be a big deal. He's like, please call 111. And I was like, fire, fire, call 111. 
And so I called 111 and uh, Tom was like, you should be fine. You didn't short out the electricity in the house or anything. And I was like, see, I'm fine. Because the last time I electrocuted myself, I shut off the electricity in the entire building. And he just looked at me like, what the hell? And he was like, what happened? And I'll explain to you the first time I electrocuted myself, exactly how I explained it to Tom. I was performing in Australia and I was doing sideshow magic. And I had one thing where I'd set my hand on fire. In order to do that, you have to infuse uh, dishwater soap with uh, butane gas. And when I did that, the water overflowed and I didn't realize it got on the electrical. Then later on in the show, I wanted to turn on a light bulb before I ate it to prove that it was real. And when I turned on the light bulb, I felt electricity go up my arm and out my other arm. And I shut off the electricity to the building. And my boyfriend just looked at me like, how the fuck are you still alive? <laughs> and, uh, and so we call 111 and I explained to them what happened. And they're like, did your heart rate go up? And I was like, well, yeah, it did. I shocked myself. And they're like, okay, we're going to call you an ambulance. And I was like, oh, this might be serious. And then ambulance dispatch called and they're like, hey, we're pretty busy. Can you please just go to the hospital yourself? Which is not what I wanted to do because I was performing at the comedy store that night. And if you no. go to the emergency room, you're there for 8,000 hours. And I told her, I was like, I don't want to go to the emergency because I have a show tonight. And he's like, you have to go. You have to go and get your heart checked. And I was like, I'm sending Tom all of the comedy store's information. Like I'm giving him Simon's information, like the club's information. So if I'm not home by a certain time, he can call and cancel for me. And he's just like, you shut up, go like get in a cab right now, go to the hospital. And so I got to the hospital and I'm like, this is going to be forever. And they check me in and my butt doesn't touch the waiting room fucking chair and they call my name and that's when i was like well i'm gonna die because if they call me that quickly i'm screwed so they hooked me up to an ekg they checked my heart and then i wound up waiting for quite a while so once i started waiting i was like okay i'm not gonna die and uh and i talked to the doctor and um he was like, yeah, it was just, uh, it wound up being a plug to a speaker. So it was just a, what's it called? Domestic voltage. It just went through the right side of my body. It didn't go across my heart. The EKG said I was fine. He was like, so you're okay. Everything's fine. And um, the reason why I think this is a neurodivergent moment is uh, because the whole time we were going through this, Tom is like, you've electrocuted yourself. You need to go to the hospital. And I was just hyper-focused on the fact I had a show that night. I was like, no, I have a show in eight hours. And he was like, you aren't, no. And I was like, but the show. And he's like, the, there might not be a show tonight. You have to accept it. You have to go to the hospital. I mean, reason number two... What was, uh, my question is, what was the time between seeing an open plug and going, I'll oh, touch that? Uh, maybe less than a minute. It was me going, <laughs> oh no, I broke the thing. And kind of like, like I said, I didn't, I haven't re-listened to Melon's interview yet, but something she talked about is just that like need, if I'm saying it right, that like need to not disappoint people that need to make mm. sure everything's okay. And so when I saw it, I kind of like panicked because I thought I broke one of Tom's film gadgets and I didn't 
like I didn't mean to touch it, but I was just trying to figure out what it was. And when I, t and, and yeah, we're talking like maybe two minutes, like, oh my, and, uh, and I just didn't realize that it, I know this sounds stupid. I didn't realize it would electrocute me. Of course it was. It was plugged into electricity and it is a metal live board of like <laughs> wiring. Of course it electrocuted me, but it was just like, oh God. I'm so worried. Is it, so that's, is it just two times you've electrocuted yourself? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm thinking about making a, uh, doing a, a joke about it on stage and if so i'm going to up it to four times uh but uh that the, the other comedians two uh, lie we're still yeah. seeing behind the uh L behind the curtain here listener uh uh insight from f for our ndm listeners uh the two times never happen one time will be a time my sister electrocuted herself and then uh the other time i will have made up so <laughs> but yeah so that's my uh, neurodivergent moment. What about you? What, wow. what have you? And you're right, but you're you're survived now, though. I, I, it's you're, now you're been a couple weeks. I am okay. Did you? Well, the question: Did you make it to the comedy store? I did make it to the comedy Good. store. That, that's that's what matters. And uh, let's go on. I literally walked in, and everyone was like, because I posted about it on my Instagram, and everyone was like, <laughs> "What the hell did you do today?" And I was like, I, "I've I've been in A and E for." Uh, all morning and all afternoon but uh but yeah i made it to the comedy store and uh i was electric <laughs> uh, mine is medical too okay let's I, hear I, had it. My, I had my um my flu jab because um uh, do you get the flu jab i haven't gotten mine yet but i need to get it thank you I for do, reminding yeah i do get it because i'm self-employed and I, I think i can't be getting flu Mm -hmm. um the uh nurse says uh do you have any allergies um and I, now I realise that's like, are you allergic to this kind of stuff that's in vaccines? You know, some people can have like a, like egg yolk or like whatever, egg white allergy, isn't it? And like some, they use that in vaccines. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's like, it's very rare, but there are some people who are allergic to some things which are in vaccines. I think it's with egg white don't take this as medical advice if you're listening, but they're, they're, very rarely there are some people who can be allergic, <laughs> have allergic reactions to um, to vaccines and flu shots and that sort of thing. Um, so that that was the reason they were asking. Um, but I see I have quite mm. a complicated thing with allergies because I do have allergies, but um, I never really they're quite mild. I'm allergic to like my car's aircon, and then often something in the air, a weather based thing. Um, and it never really was that important until COVID, because when COVID happened, the I often have mild symptoms because that's what allergies are. So I often have a bit of like a sore throat or something like that. But that's just my allergy. But when you're looking out for that for COVID, it was very difficult filling in those forms. I explained all this at quite some length uh, to the person who was going to give me the vaccine, and he went just on oh, no, a anything that would be in a flu shot. Um, but I felt like I needed to give him the full answer. I didn't want to. What it is like, I don't. I worry. That, I worry about lying. I worry about like not telling the whole truth. So I do have allergies, but they're not di like diagnosed allergies. So I gave him quite a long explanation of my life history, and he just wanted to uh, just wanted to know if this um, flu shot was going to make me sick. 
I uh, I do the exact same thing whenever doctors I'm like because I have seasonal allergies so I'm allergic to like mm. pretty much every animal with hair or fur and like dust mold pollen and then my sister has a is allergic to one type of medicine and I always feel like that's very important to tell them because if she's allergic to it I may be allergic to it so and they're always like yeah that's not what this is about and I'm like but you, you... but also. Here, I didn't know that maybe there's egg whites in freaking vaccines. When they ask, do you have any allergies to anything that'd be in a vaccine? I don't know what they're putting in my body, you know? <laughs> I, I should say, I, I'm, I I think it's egg whites, that, um, but I'm not sure. So before we become like an anti-vax podcast listener, I should say, Google this and go to a reputable source. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's egg whites that in some very rare circumstances people can be allergic to and have like yeah. anaphylactic shocks. But I think that's very, very unusual. And most people would know that they have that allergy before um, and they would be able to get a, a sort of special um, egg white free. It might not even be egg white, but yeah. that's, there's, there's yeah. a very rare case you can be allergic. Going back, we should definitely read a book. We should definitely read a yes. book. But yeah. <laughs> The the stance of the neurodivergent moments podcast is get your Why, vaccine. What I like is about us having lots of autistic listeners though is that we'll get fact checked and we yeah. will have someone tweet and say this is this is the yeah. uh, the vaccine. We'll get a Wikipedia article. Yeah, get get your vaccine, guys. We'll be fine. We're all autistic, anyways. Like we <laughs> we already got it. But uh, I love that. Do you have a listener neurodivergent? I do. Moment? This one is. Um, I hope I pronounced their name, Di Elias, Di Elias, um, but uh, it's D-A-I, that's Di, isn't it? D-A-I, yeah, I think so. I hope it's pronounced Di, otherwise it sounds like I'm threatening them. Um, anyway, uh, it begins with Ahoy Hoy, so I like that from the start. Uh, Ahoy Hoy, my name is Di Elias from Newcastle Under Lime. Uh, really loving the podcast, guys. It's good to hear so many experiences from other people that I can really relate to other podcasts don't read out the praise but um i think we should i think yeah. we should give ourselves a pat on the back each time yeah um i'm nearly 40 and was only referred for my asd diagnosis in my mid-30s people say labels don't help but by god it's helped me retrace my entire life and actually make sense of it all i only got referred because i nearly put the kibosh on my son i don't know what kibosh means from context i think it means i stopped yeah, nearly put the halt, nearly, like, okay. yeah. I only got referred because I nearly put the kibosh on my son getting his referral, as everything they were saying my son does that could point to autism. I kept saying, no, no, I used to or still do those things. Eventually the GP decided there might be a good reason for that. <laughs> my, my neurodivergent moment is from my late 20s, when me and my now wife first moved in together. She noticed that when I came home from work, I would not ask her how her day was or kiss her, when I walked in or create any kind of small talk chit chat. So in my pre-diagnosed ND mind, I did what I always did to make sense of things. I made a trusty list. I gave it the rather snappy title of things you have to do when you get home before you sit down to make Tammy happy. (laughs) (laughs) That's the list that needs to be kept in a locked box so it's never found by Tammy. (laughs) I'm going to suggest this to my boyfriend. <laughs> Things to keep Abigail happy. <laughs> uh, after a few weeks of our conversation, she noticed I was a lot more engaging when I came home. 
To which I answered, oh yes, I made a list of all the things I need to do to keep you happy every day. And I showed her the list. For reasons I never fully grasped at the time, she wasn't best pleased with me. (laughs) Ten years later, after my diagnosis, it's a story we bring up and laugh about as a point where we probably should have known that I was neurospicy. Kind regards, die. Lovely stuff. <laughs> Listen, uh, yeah, it, it all makes sense uh, once once you know. But now I'm thinking, how do I get Tom to make that list? <laughs> <laughs> do you um, have a listener moment? Yes, I have a listener moment. So this one came to me uh, from Twitter, and it's from Emma Greenhill. Her um, her handle is at space underscore ch. Oh, Chalula. I'm sorry. I don't know how to say that, Emma. Um, I'm a silly, silly person. Again, I need to read a book. For context, for context, we, you guys need to remember that our last release podcast, our first season two episode is titled season two, episode one, coping with Robert White. And Emma sent in this tweet going, autistic moment, reading the titles of your podcast episodes, thinking, who is Robert White and why is he so difficult to cope with? (laughs) (laughs) I just laughed so freaking hard (laughs) when I that. It's a very specific podcast, How to Cope with Robert White. <laughs> Coping with Robert White. <laughs> we spent an hour being like, this is how you deal with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I love it. If you have a neurodivergent moment, you can email us, neurodivergentmomentspod at gmail.com. You can drop a message to the social media as well, which are ndm underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, and also we have gotten some amazing reviews from you guys through Apple Podcasts and whatnot. So if you like this podcast, another way to share it, to get it out there is to leave us a review. So if you have time, if you have the inclination, go to your podcast listening app of choice and rate and review our podcast. Doing this has made me rate and review the podcast I listen to. Because I've realised how much it helps with charts and stuff like that. So I've, I've returned the favour to the podcast I listen to. And see, this is another reason why you are a better and more thoughtful person than me. <laughs> Hasn't occurred to me. Literally, and I go through and read our reviews and like make tiles and put them on our social media. <laughs> and it has never, never occurred to me to return the <laughs> All right, I have a project hey. today. I have my shoes on. I'm going to review some podcasts. <laughs> we'll see you in a, in a fortnight or a week if you're on a Patreon. Yeah, look forward to it. Bye, guys. See you then. Bye.